0: Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and to talk Psalm 29, I'm glad to welcome Nathan Giles. Nathan is the bearded philosopher husband mentioned in the episode on Psalm 24 with Olivia, with whom... I happen to know he shares high Mexican food standards. Nathan also teaches at William Jessup University and helps out here at Granite Springs with our youth group. I found Nathan, and I'm sure you'll find this too in our episode, to be a careful and precise thinker, but he also has a warmth and humor that really, I think, invites you into conversation. So I'm looking forward to this one. As we begin, here's Nathan reading Psalm 29.
1: Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings, Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian-like, a young, wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple all cry glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Nathan, welcome to Curious Psalms. Thanks, Matt. I feel like the long time, first time thing doesn't quite apply with like the whole radio <laughs> caller, but you know, this is as close as we get. Here you are.
0: Here you are. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really have a mechanism for feedback. I guess you're basically a person's feedback on the podcast is to be on the podcast.
1: Yeah, I think this Just is what like-
0: you know. Hopefully, over time, we can get most of the listeners. That'd be kind of an awesome <laughs> thing if most of the listeners were also on your podcast.
1: Yeah, that would that, be interesting.
0: Which may, maybe means you have a very small distribution, but... Yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. No, I'm really glad, really glad that you said yes when I reached out. You never know how much you have to twist someone's arm to convince them to spend 30 minutes talking about the Psalms with you, but you seemed like a pretty willing, pretty willing partner.
1: Yeah, I get that feeling with my students, getting them to talk for about 10 seconds on any given topic in classes <laughs> is, is bad enough, much less a half hour. <laughs>
0: Well, shall we dive into Psalm 29 together?
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Let's start with, you know, we have these set questions and I love them to give us framework for conversation. So let's start with the first one. Nathan, what stood out to you in reading this Psalm?
1: I think, I mean, there's a lot of repetition, which isn't necessarily new for Uh a Psalm. But whenever I hear the, the voice of the Lord mentioned, I always think like back in Genesis and Exodus, where the voice of the Lord is not a good thing to be around. Like nobody wants, nobody's eager to hear the voice of God. Um, yeah, And that, that kind of indication of his very near presence is the source of terror. And I think in this psalm in particular, there's a lot of pointing toward that destructive, humbling kind of power that's behind the voice of God. Um, so I think that was what really stood out to me throughout the, the entirety of the psalm.
0: Humbling power is a good phrase for what's happening here. I was reading one thing that was talking about There's kind of this storm almost sweeping through all of israel from the north to the south Mm. but like us the kind of storm that's being talked about here where the ground is shaking and like we're talking it's like a wind tornado earthquake all rolled into one when Mm. god starts to speak which i think whenever you kind of get to witness something that powerful kind of in the natural world there is a kind of yeah a terror right it's not It's not just, oh, yeah, good. (laughs) The repetition really stood out to me, too. I was looking at it and kind of fascinatingly, like there's, I don't know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but a really common feature of Psalms is both repetition and a particular kind that's sometimes called parallelism. And we could break that down in all kinds of ways, but it's where you hear it over and over where the verses tend to repeat themselves. (laughs) right? So, ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name, and then the psalmist just says it in a different way, kind of, with some added pieces. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. So there's all this repetition, but I found here, it really kind of gave it an oomph and a propulsive kind of quality. There's something, there's really some momentum and some power that kind of builds. This psalm, It feels like it kind of leaves you almost with a feeling, like the kind of awe-inspiring power, even if I'm not necessarily like, oh, yeah, right. The cedar is broken in pieces. It's more kind of the overwhelming sense of it. But then if I looked at it a little bit more closely, and it was just kind of fascinating, it builds to this verse 9, and in his temple all cry glory. I think that is basically the only line in this psalm that doesn't have some kind of repetition or parallel. Right, yeah. Which I just found... I just found it interesting. It's this moment of like, I don't know if it's stillness, but just like the, the exclamation point in some ways. So I that line, I think when I read Psalm 29, always stands out to me in a particular way. Just all the people in the temple of creation in some ways, just crying glory. So anyway, that's all to say. I kind of love this song. I love its energy <laughs> and its excitement. Our second question is really intriguing to me with how much the voice of the Lord comes up here. So I'm curious what you found this psalm to teach us about God.
1: Yeah, kind of hinting toward it with my initial answer, with the voice of God being something that's so, I mean, they're just outright trying to avoid hearing God's voice in Exodus. That's why they send Moses up the big scary mountain instead of, you know, volunteering to go all the way up individually. When we have, I mean, today, post, you know, Christ's death and resurrection, We have the Holy Spirit and that completely changes the way that God interacts with us in his voice. And so that voice Hmm. goes from being this largely something that is wielded against creation in a kind of destructive and reforming kind of way to something that has become much more gentle. Hmm. Still kind of cutting things away and cutting things down, but in a very precise, almost surgical kind of way, rather than one that's seen in a wrathful kind of or vengeful sort that is often kind of the vibe you get in the Old Testament. And so seeing that kind of shift from even as presumably David, as he writes this, he can see that in his own relationship with God, being that it is a little bit different Mm. for him in Israel. But I just found that really fascinating to see. If I think about the way I read the Bible now and the way that I pray, and I guess we'll talk about this more with prayer, it's easier to, to seek God's voice when I'm not terrified that I'll just be like laid waste by it. Uh, when it's something that I see as something that I can experience and then be in his temple and, and cry out glory. Uh, I think that's a very dramatic yeah. shift from what I mean. the surrounding nations might see in Israel when Israel's God comes to, comes to town for them. I'm
0: really interested in your point, the fact that we read these Psalms not as ancient Israelites, <laughs> we read them as Christians, and with all that that means. And even kind of I mean, you were talking about Genesis and the creation language here. The voice of the Lord is over the waters and maybe even paralleling in some way the spirit hovering over the waters in the very beginning of the book of Genesis in creation. But I'm really curious how this is throwing an extra question at you, but I think sure, you, can, sure. you can handle a conversation. Like, how do you think we process, you know, the in other words, the gift of God's presence, right? Like what you're talking about, the, the sense that the, in some ways, the ways that God speaks to us takes on a, a fresh reality with the reality of the spirit being poured out upon all his people and sort of the the tension and terror of Psalm 29. Maybe this is also moving us into how does the Psalm help us to pray? So we can go there as well. We can kind of blend our questions maybe. But yeah, like as you as you think about that, are those just held in tension or do we lean a direction or what do you think?
1: Well, I think one of the things that always is, is difficult for me in reading a lot of the Psalms is you have those more lament oriented Psalms asking for God to intervene. And when you start talking about asking God to destroy your enemies,
0: Mm -hmm. like, I don't
1: know how to feel about that a lot of days. Like, sure. I want to see justice. And I want like that little bit of vengeance for myself, but to, to ask God to strike at parts of creation is it's, it's uneasy at least. But I think when we see ourselves as being kind of the recipient of that and saying okay look when we hear the voice of god it should be something that humbles us the, the spirit will convict but then also guide us through he'll walk us through what it means to separate ourselves from our sin and so we can kind of identify with both sides both being the one who is on hmm. kind of the receiving end of this this wielding of god's voice but then also one who can cry out to god seeking it on our behalf hmm. or even against ourselves and i think that's maybe the the point of tension isn't to find a happy place in between, but to actually just take on both roles, kind of seen in that.
0: Yeah, that's that's helpful. Not an easy space to occupy. No, no, I don't think, because at least for myself, I tend to, like I like to have both ends of a spectrum, just so I can avoid one. Right. You know, yeah. and really lean to toward, <laughs> lean towards one. It is interesting. I mean, I do think some of this, you know, looking at verse ten and eleven, there is a little bit of what you're talking about. I think kind of latent not latent, almost explicitly in the psalm as well, where you have like verse 10 is kind of in some sense a summary. Here is the one who judges. Here's the one who's king over everything. But then the same kind of covenanting God gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Mm -hmm. There is a sense of which if I am part of creation, like I'm subject to the storm of judgment. And yet if I belong to the people of God, there is also kind of this this other way that I received that. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of seeing even what you're saying is kind of in the psalm already baked in, so to speak. What do you think of that?
1: Yeah, I, I, I'm totally on board with that. And I love that they talk about water in the psalm. So there's, yeah, there's all kinds of different allusions to the creation narrative with the spirit hovering over the water. And then you have Noah and the ark where you have uh-huh. God's faithful people essentially being saved on the ark. And for our Roman Catholic friends, the idea of the Church being that Ark is a little bit more broadly discussed. But that idea of being in creation, but then being preserved in the midst of creation that is also, at times, being destroyed. It's it's an interesting place to be to realize that it's just God's grace that that is holding us together in the midst of things. Sometimes even mm-hmm. in the midst of our fighting against that.
0: Yeah, the gift of grace is the reality that we recognize that we are unworthy recipients <laughs> of of this gift. And we live in that space where God, God even will be so bold as to potentially act on our behalf, right? As people who belong to him. And yet we remain kind of objects of judgment. I'd love, I'd love to explore or hear any additional thoughts you have about kind of diving into praying this Psalm as well.
1: Yeah. So kind of on that same note of, I mean, trying to hit both ends of the spectrum at the same time, again, that, that idea of water If the storm is this kind of deluge of water coming down, Uh on one hand, yes, that is terrifying and can bring destruction. But even in the midst of the grace that God gives us, we know, or at least I know, and I think you would agree to this, we're still very broken. basis, we do things that we're like, even a minute later, we realize, I don't exactly understand why I did that. Why can't I get my act together, you know? (laughs) And so that same Uh storm that is often just kind of unbridled destruction, when we see it as God's kind of means of discipline for us Yeah, it becomes this kind of continuous cleansing where the voice of the Lord, wherever it is in our lives, is Mm -hmm. continually reforming us, cleansing us, transforming us and I think that that doesn't do away with the kind of force like that brute force of God's wrath but has kind of a redirected focus of it and so when we pray, as difficult as it is I suppose, I think we should Come to prayer and say, "God, like I, I understand, like the the reason for your for your your move toward justice and in pouring out wrath in this world, and I understand that I'm deserving of it. But in making me holy, I want to cooperate. I want to partner in this this transformation. Kind of ask God to point out our rebellion. Don't be okay with it being there, but realize, like, yes, it's it's always going to be yeah. there in some aspect, and then be willing to to sit in that and understand what's going on." I think a lot of times we just want to, I mean, we see that storm coming and we just want to run rather than saying, okay, Mm. this may not feel pleasant, but I trust that God is, he is the one who's enthroned over the storm. And so I can trust him to use this to, to better my relationship with him, to, to clean me up a bit as we are all always in need of.
0: That's so helpful, Nathan. I think, you know, the reality is that our brokenness sometimes needs force. I think probably I equally kind of can enter this tendency where it's like i only want to meet my brokenness with gentleness (laughs) if this makes sense like oh like here's the rebellious part of me let me pet that and calm it down Mm -hmm. i'll heal it with kindness Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it's like well that might work for some pieces of our brokenness but our maybe the stubborn rebelliousness that tends to have a particular grip on our hearts might need something more like a tempest to dislodge it yeah i think most of my
1: my rebellion is the stubborn kind it's not uh it doesn't just walk away on its own
0: yeah there's a few tame house cats but most of them are tigers right (laughs) like there's a few it's a few things that really that could will just kind of be shooed away but most of it needs some kind of wrestling yeah yeah i i thought like one like i kind of i had equally and this is building what you're saying like almost devotional response to this psalm would be to pray with the question in mind like what needs breaking
1: Hmm.
0: like what needs shaking in my life and Psalm 29 reminds me that when I pray those questions I really shouldn't assume that uh, the voice of the Lord is going to affirm all my tendencies and intuitions about either my relationships or the choices I've made. Psalm 29 reminds me, if I pray that and if I come with that question, I'm unlikely to be affirmed in everything I do, which is just a way I think of saying what you're saying too, (laughs) right? Like there's just the reality of brokenness and recognizing that and bringing that in prayer. But verse 11, again, to kind of come back to that final blessing, it's just an interesting, the Psalms do this all the time, where there's just kind of like a little bit of a right turn at the end or in the middle or somewhere i feel like this psalm i uh, could end comfortably at verse 10 that kind of rap- feels like it wraps up it's kind of a summary statement but then it gives this verse 11 the lord gives strength to his people i think that's a reminder to me that that kind of process of asking you know what needs to be shaken what needs to be broken off so to speak in my life doesn't have to be a question that I ask or pray with anxiety. And that I think goes to what you're saying again. You see the tempest or the storm kind of at a distance and it's coming for you. And I think there's perhaps the temptation to flee there's perhaps the temptation to say oh by the time it gets me it will just be a light shower mm-hmm. <laughs> like it'll lose its fury right by the time it actually hits me that ju- that judgment will be yeah it'll be just a little kind of tap on the wrist but then there's then there's the way of saying like oh actually there's there's going to be things that need to be shaken there's going to be sort of the cedars that need to be twisted and the the forest of my life needs to be laid bare to use the psalms metaphors but I love how you said this, the Lord is over the storm. And because of that, we can trust that this isn't just willful judgment for the sake no. of our pain and our loss, right? Like this is this is for the sake of cleansing. I think you used that word, yeah. And our need for kind of continuous cleansing.
1: Yeah, I think what you're saying, it, it very well could end at verse 9 and all of his temple cry glory. Yeah. But we do kind of lose that, like emotionally, that, that works for me at that point. But if you look back, uh-huh. we still have to wonder, well, what's the purpose of that storm? if it's just this destruction that we are not exposed to, oh, is it yeah. just like taking down our enemies? But you read verses 10 and 11 and it's, I mean, the, the purpose of God wielding his voice against creation in this way is to preserve that creation. It's to bring peace. It's to bring blessing to his people. Mm. I mean, that, that, if I were to pick a Psalm to address the problem of evil in the world, like this is, this is a good starting point, you know, hmm. to kind of have that conversation of, well, well, evil might exist suffering will exist in the world but it's not a purpose in itself it does it does something in the world and i think the psalm is is pointing toward that
0: Mm, that's i find that really kind of illuminating nathan that that those last two verses really yeah in some sense other than the lord you know being kind of the, the name of god yahweh throughout there's nothing necessarily that is particular to a covenant in god in verses one through nine this could just be an all-powerful kind of destructive Mm -hmm. here comes the wrath of zeus or something like that but then those last two verses is revelatory in that it provides purpose and that it orients uh, god the same god towards us which is really powerful yeah, that's a that's a helpful observation even for my own reading because I, I do like like you said the emotional punch of the oh, Indigenous yeah. temple all cry glory that's a mic drop yep mic drop moment and maybe it says something too about sort of our human nature
1: that we're like yeah definitely that's the place to end mm-hmm. and then it's like oh hold on there's a little bit more yeah we don't get to be yeah, uh, we don't get to be passive observers in in life and, and with god so it's a good reminder of yeah. that yeah
0: Right. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts, final, kind of final thoughts on Psalm 29? With the, with the admission, of course, you can talk about any Psalm almost endlessly, right?
1: No, I don't think I have any other, any major thoughts. I'm, I'm, I'm just now starting to think, I wonder how comparable this Psalm would be to like other ancient Near Eastern, I guess, non-Abrahamic religion kind of songs from other, yeah. other groups. I'm sure there'll be a lot of similarities until you hit that, that end point. That's probably true. Now that you mentioned that get a little
0: yeah, bit of weird that's, research going yeah there's in the commentary i was reading by kidner he was identifying some similarities with sort of some battle kind of songs interestingly and some or even some early songs that we see in the old testament which is kind of fascinating like the, some of the kind of rhythm and repetition which you you can imagine there's a little bit like even just the way it reads there's a, a little kind of almost chanting kind of quality right to it and that that's in an english translation right which is kind of fascinating the ways that you know kudos to translators who can evoke some of that so i yeah. think you're probably right that there's yeah some overlap with some of these some of the rhythms of these other ancient songs but i think yeah i think it's probably doing something unique like you said but more fodder for research <laughs> well thanks so much for being willing to do this this was a fun conversation i feel it's always i mean this always happens but it's always a delight when you kind of experience the psalm in a new way and then kind of the light bulb moments. I mean, you're a teacher, so you experience this with your students, whether whether they communicate it or not. I'm sure uh, it happens all the time. But there are some helpful light bulbs uh, in this for me and talking with you, Nathan. So thanks a lot.
1: Yeah, same. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, friends, let's conclude with these verses, these closing two verses, perhaps the distinctive verses of Psalm 29. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Go out and pray the Psalms.